Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with New York City jazz vocalist Samara Joy. We caught up with her on January 6, 2022 from her home in New York to talk about her recent trip to Russia to perform live shows, her debut 2021 self-titled CD, COVID life, and her career up to this point in music. She grew up in New York and music was a pervasive presence and this was all to the inspiration of her paternal grandparents and her parents. In 2019, she was the winner of the Sarah Vaughan International Jazz Vocal Competition. She is well on her way to quite a career and we cover much ground. Enjoy the story. So I guess in this new day and era of fluctuating virus infection, sunshine is probably one of the better things that we can look forward to. Oh, yes. <laughs> Man, alive. You know, you know you're... Thank you for taking a minute out today. I really appreciate it. Of course. So speaking of New York City, sunshine, getting outside, and COVID, how's everything going? So far, so good. I, I just got back from Russia. I spent my Christmas in Russia doing a couple of performances over there, which I was, I was surprised with how things are, you know, kind of going right now with everybody and the new variant and stuff. But gigs are slowly, you know, slowly coming back, and people are... Not as scared to come out, you know, just take precautions and stuff like that. My family's doing well. No, you know, major things going on there, which I'm grateful for. So everything's cool. Good. Well, that had to be, like, beyond, like, word description to be able to be in front of an audience, especially in Russia, yeah. to perform since we've been vacant since March of 2020. Mm -hmm. And a couple of other things have happened since before then. Like, the album came out in July. And I was able to do July of 2021, and I was able to do a couple of things overseas. I went to Paris for the first time to play over there, and then we just got back from doing a couple tours. November, we had a European tour, and then December, we had a Midwest tour. Did we go to Kent? No, no, we went to Arkansas. But, yeah, so uh, thankfully, you know, we've been able to stay safe while still, you know, doing gigs when people are coming out and stuff. So, Wow, that's wonderful news. So this self-titled release is your first, it's your debut. How, how did that feel? To, to, you know, you won the Sarah Vaughan competition in 2019, and then shortly thereafter, the world goes upside down. Mm -hmm. Things have just kind of been in flux. So it had to be a big relief to get your first album out there. Well, at first I was very hesitant because I was, you know, I was approached by one of the judges of the competition, actually, uh, who was the producer, and he was like, you know, this is the perfect time to record something. And I was like, I'm not ready yet. I'm not... <laughs> You know, I was planning on releasing my first album maybe much, much later. Um, I guess when I felt prepared or when I felt ready, I was still in my junior year of college when he um, approached me with that idea. But now that it's out and all of these things kind of snowballed as a result of it, I'm really grateful and really glad that I wasn't scared and I listened to him and, and um, we, we made it happen because it's really changed my life. You know, I kind of heard that sentiment about you know, releasing material during this time. I mean, there, there, there are probably times that are a little bit more ideal, but I think the general sentiment is, you know what, if there was ever a time where people needed art, which art right. has kind of saved us through this pandemic, now would be the time, the opportune time to do that. Exactly. The thing about this COVID lockdown period is it's been very self-reflective. Everybody's kind of had to look in the mirror. The country's had to do it. The world's had to do it. We're all in the same boat. What did you learn about yourself over this time that maybe you didn't realize before that's going to make you stronger and making you stronger as you go to Russia and you perform live and you promote this debut album? I guess the main thing would be to just do it and see what happens. <laughs> as far as, you know, 
putting out, you know, maybe it's singing videos and, and singing in front of people. Because I was, I was very, I didn't have stage fright, but I was very kind of nervous, you know, being on stage. And, and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to sing these songs and, and, you know, not try to talk or whatever. But throughout this time, even in the pandemic, I was like, okay, what am I going to do while I'm here? I'm going to, you know, I'm always home with family, thankfully, taking, still taking online Zoom classes and stuff. But the main, yeah, just the main thing is let's just do it and see what happens. And be confident and, and, you know, take a chance, take risks. Don't be afraid to fail because that, I think that was one of my main concerns is, like, I want to be able – I'm just starting out with this, and I don't want to make the wrong choices or make the wrong steps, but you just have to try. you got to do it. So you grew up in New York City, correct? Yes. What was that like? I, now, whenever I hear someone say, I either grew up in New York City or Los Angeles, you know, I'm from the Midwest, and I'm like, wow, everything that's created – that we ingest artistically comes from these areas. So I'm like, what what could that have possibly been like to grow up there? I mean, it, it was it was fun as I got into high school. Before then, I was very sheltered and very much. Uh, my my dad picked us picked me and my little brother up and took us to school every day. So I didn't start riding the subway until I was in high school. Just now, uh, four years after graduating high school, you know, getting to learn more about my city and you know where. Like all the the artistic things, you know that that like you said, that stem from here. But growing up and and being surrounded by artists, I went to an arts high school. We got to experience a lot of different type of things. Like I, when I was in high school, I was in computer science club. Funny enough, and we got to participate at you know go to Google headquarters and participate in the Codathon and you know go ice skating and and you know near Rockefeller Center and stuff like that. So it was. I really am grateful to be from here. So did you always have a dream about being in the arts and being a singer? I mean, you mentioned computer science and, mm-hmm. you know, the sky's the limit. What, what did you dream about doing with your life? Well, I come from a family of singers. Like, my grandfather's a singer. My grandfather, my grandparents um, had a choir called the Save Us of Philadelphia, and they would, you know, they would sing at different churches within within the Philly area. I, my father's a singer, my aunt's, like, everybody, everybody sings, so... I would always love imitating them, and I'd be like, you know, one day I think it would be great to be a singer. I don't know if it's possible because that's not necessarily, you know, there are a lot of good singers out there. You know, I always I always loved singing, and I always had a passion for it in school and, you know, in performances with my dad and stuff, but I never imagined that it would uh, come to fruition like this because I didn't grow up singing jazz. So there was no, you know, I, I, I grew up singing, like, whatever my mom listened to, basically, which is like Luther Vandross, Stevie Wonder, Shaka Khan, and stuff. And whatever my dad listened to, gospel related. So that's kind of that's kind of my foundation. So to be here singing this music that I now really love and enjoy is kind of it's wild. But yeah, who were musical influences for you when you were really kind of sinking your teeth into the world of jazz? Who really swayed you? Sarah Vaughan first, definitely. I remember doing repertoire classes where we would have to learn two songs a week, and uh, all the singers in the class would have to sing, you know, and then the instrumentalist instrumentalist would play a solo, but. I remember when I was starting to look up versions, and I didn't know who Sarah Vaughn was until I got to college. So I would look up versions on how to sing these songs. It's like, of course, everybody knows Ella, so I would look up her versions. I looked up Sarah Vaughn's, and I was like, this is incredible. <laughs> how is she singing melodies like this? You know, it's so, it's easy, and yet it's just this it's absolutely mind-blowing, you know, her, her ideas and her phrasing and her interpretation of the song to really make you understand it. I'm 17 years old, and I'm like, how are you, you know, making me feel like, 
either I'm in love or I'm hurting over somebody or something like that. So that's what really, you know, that's what really changed my mind. Well, then that had to be an ultimate dream come true to be able to win the International Cerebonne competition. That whole experience was really a, a whirlwind because I remember being a sophomore and finding out about it, but I didn't apply. And then one of my professors encouraged me to. So just as I was getting ready to be a junior, me and my friend got together and I submitted a couple videos. And I was looking at, like, the portal that they had up online, and you could you could listen to everybody's submissions. So I was, like, looking through and listening, and I was like, oh, my gosh, these, <laughs> they really went all out. This is, like, internationally, you know, acclaimed competition. Um, so when I found out that I was a finalist and getting to, you know, go there and perform and when eventually I was just, that whole experience, I was really, really incredibly grateful to be a part of it. So I'm curious growing up and what we would all consider the cauldron of live jazz in the world, mm -hmm. like the biggest cauldron in New York City. What was the first live jazz show that you ever saw that really blew your doors down? Mm -hmm. I remember I went to Jazz and Lincoln Center because I had like a couple of friends. I had made a couple of friends from Juilliard. So I went down there and we were backstage uh, listening and then one of the guys who worked at Jazz Lincoln Center was like, I have two tickets. Do you want them? And so I got to sit, you know, out, you know, watching the orchestra perform. I, I believe it was either Christmas music or it was either Gil Evans and Miles Davis. I don't remember. But I remember it was snowing outside. <laughs> but that experience as a whole, it was just, it was absolutely incredible. The sound of the orchestra and, and being in that room and uh, eventually getting to go backstage and talk to a few of the members, that was really, it, I, don't, I can't say that that was the first. I don't remember the first, but that was one of the more impactful experiences. You know, you probably, before you got into the music industry, had an idea of, like, how you thought it might happen. But now that you're in it and things are taking off, your album's out, you're touring and performing, what's been the most surprising thing about becoming a professional musician? I haven't been surprised that maybe by the number of interviews, <laughs> which is not to say anything, but it's like I didn't expect to be like, okay, you have an interview or two here and then a Zoom interview here. And, you know, this person wants to talk to you, this person wants, maybe that's, maybe that's the most surprising thing. But everything else, I mean, my dad is a musician, so I pretty much, you know, and growing up around him and going to his gigs, I kind of already had an, a little bit of an insight to how it worked. Yeah, maybe that's it. And, and touring, touring definitely, I was not prepared for that. <laughs> my first, my first European tour was two weeks long. I was away from home for two weeks, and I just, I missed home by maybe like the fourth day. I was ready to go. But it was, it was really incredible to be over there, um, Playing for playing for people in all these different countries. So, what has it been like to see the rest of the world? I mean, I'm sure going to a place like Russia, that has to be quite uh, mind blowing to see how they operate and how things work over there. It's vastly different, I would mm -hmm. imagine, than what we do. Mm -hmm. And to see how, how they actually have an appreciation for the arts is really wonderful. It's really wonderful. We performed, uh, or I was a guest with this piano player named Oleg and a saxophone player named Igor Butman. It was in this concert hall that was just built maybe about five years ago called Zariadie, Zariadie Hall. And it was just this beautiful, big, gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous concert hall, mostly for classical music, but they, they had like a you know jazz Christmas presentation that I was a part of. So I think that's the main thing. I, I really enjoy you know their appreciation for the arts and for jazz and music in general. What about mentors? Other than you know your immediate family, which is obviously full of singers, who, who do you look back on and really remember advice they gave you or things they, they lent to you? I think a lot of um, the mentorship came from the professors at Purchase. Like they were all, all of them were incredibly encouraging and uh, uplifting when it came to 
especially me being like, you know, very new to it in general and new to learning the technical side of music as well. Like they were all very encouraging. So to name, to name a few, I was first, Pete Mallon-Bernie, I don't know if you know his name. I auditioned with him. I didn't know any standards. I knew one standard. It was I Let a Song Go Out of My Heart by Duke Ellington. Then I, I sang a hymn with him. He was like, we would love to have you here. And I was like, really? <laughs> so it took it took me, you know, a couple, I think I maybe waited maybe two days to send my uh, acceptance. But he's one. Yeah. My, my first voice teacher, period, her name is Alexis Cole. Um, and she was, from, from day one, she was like, okay, we're, I'm going to help you and I'm going to support you in anything that you do, but this is just what I'm going to teach you. Professor Kenny Washington, amazing drummer that is also on the album. I'm really grateful to have worked with him and to have taken his jazz history class and still, you know, to this day, exchange, you know, music and, you know, ideas and, and records and stuff like that. He's like a, a serious well, a wealth of knowledge when it comes to music. And Professor John Thaddeus. Um, was very encouraging and helpful to me as well. So those are just a few of them. But uh, really all the mentors came from purchase that I can think of right now. What do you like the best about being a professional musician? I mean, looking, waking up every day, looking at your itinerary to just see what you get to do, what do you like mm -hmm. the best about the process? Well, I like that I'm in control of it, first of all. Like, I, I don't have to necessarily cater to anybody. Like, I can choose the songs that I want to sing and, you know, play with the musicians I want to play with and and just make beautiful music that hopefully people enjoy. So I think that's the main thing is the, uh, the autonomy. Very simply put, why do you love jazz? Very simply put, I love jazz because of the feeling that it gives me when I listen to it. <laughs> beautiful. I, I, I used to ask this question this way, if you can get into a time machine and go back in time and see anybody... Uh, in the history of jazz, who would you go see? But I'm getting to a point now where it's like, you know what? There are so many people that are alive today that are playing music. Yeah. Who, would, who, have, who have you not seen live that you would love to see perform live in the world of jazz? Who have not seen live yet? I would have to say probably Buster Williams. I think Buster Williams, yeah. And the vocalist, the seal. I just had a feeling that was going to come out, and I've heard yeah. people talk about her performance. And I, I don't know that I've ever heard anybody say anything other than it's just earth-shattering whenever they get mm -hmm. into a room and watch her perform. just sounds like one of those amazing moments that, uh, that should be captured. You know, you've been on stage in Russia. You know, there's been some openings. I mean, this whole viral thing is undulated. So when we do actually hopefully get back more into earnest as the spring and summer unfolds, and you're on, the, you're on the stage and we're in the audience. What do you hope we all realize about the power of live music we've been largely separated from since March of 2020? Well, I think that people already understand, and that's why, you know, we're starting to come out again, is that, you know, the importance, like, well, I, I can say for, for sure that I missed people, and I tell them every, every time I perform, I'm like, I missed y'all so much, because it's so much different singing a song. Like, obviously, I love singing it regardless of who is watching, but, you know, singing a song and having people intently listening and not only that, but actually connecting to it. It's like there's nothing like it. There's nothing like, you know, having people, you know, it's like we're, we have an hour together and I'm going to share some music that touched me and hopefully it can touch you too. Um, or maybe it doesn't. <laughs> and that's okay. And next time maybe you'll feel some way about a, a different live performance or whatever. But just, you know, the same, the same reason you go to museums, it's like to get inspired. This is art. 
that I'm looking at, that I'm experiencing, I want to, and I, hopefully it makes me better as a person. So the one thing about releasing a debut album and getting started is the future is wide open for you. So let's say we talk 10 years from now, and I ask you, how's everything going? What's been going on? What are you going to want to tell me? Give or take 10 years, okay, I'll be 32. Hopefully, I mean, I, I hope to continue to, to grow and to, you know, expand maybe my taste or maybe my, or well, taste never changes, but maybe exploring different kinds of styles and stuff like that. But yeah, I hope in 10 years I'm still singing and, and uh, doing what I love, whether that be jazz or whether that be, you know, jazz and, you know, church music, gospel or something like that. But I hope to still be singing. So everyone has a perception of you, your family, your friends, your fans, but ultimately you live your life. You have a, you have a perception of yourself. Mm. Who do you think you are? Wow, that's an interesting question. Nobody asked me that before. <laughs> I might need more time with it. But for now, off the top of my head, I think I am definitely a social person and, and a person who likes to express my emotions. I'm not, I'm not closed off. Or maybe I can be because my emotions can get a little bit too overwhelming. So I like music because it gives me uh, an avenue to, to express those, you know, through, through song. I don't necessarily have to talk about it with a therapist or anything, but... You know, I can express it that way. So maybe that's a part of who I think I am. And I guess that's appropriate to say therapist because usually people are like, I feel like I'm in a therapy chair right now. I kind of yeah. answer the question. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was thinking about there's this uh, record or in, in the liner notes of this record of that Carmen McRae, it's Carmen McRae sings Billie Holiday and other, or sings Loverman and other Billie Holiday classics. And the guy who writes his name is Ralph Gleason. He like recalled somebody who was in the audience um, listening to Carmen McRae crying and asking the question, how did she know <laughs> when she sings and stuff and tells the story through her, through her singing. So I don't know. Yeah. It, it just came to mind. That's the, that's wonderful. And Ralph was a wonderful interviewer. I actually have one of his books of transcriptions of interviews. So yeah, he, mm-hmm. uh, he, he was wonderful with his recollection of, you know, uh, jazz history. So, you know, of all of the, shows that can go on nightly in Kansas City, and it's pretty packed. Let's say you come to Kansas City and you're going to perform live, and you have to somehow come up with some kind of descriptor or tag for a show you put on to get people to fill that room. Describe to me what a show would be like that you put on live. Simple, sophisticated swinging. Beautiful. That's the good backbone of all jazz right there. I love it. Samara, thank you for opening up. Thanks for taking a minute out. Good luck with the album and the return to... Hopefully more more gigs as 2022 opens up. Yes, for sure. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview where we give you a bit of insight into the finest singers in New York City, Kansas City, and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Samara for her time, music, and story. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino in the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com and for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, Enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.